We're in the book of Jeremiah this morning. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. He was a broken-hearted preacher. He saw his nation, the nation of Israel, divided. He saw his nation taken into captivity. He saw mothers taken from their children. He saw infants taken from their mothers. He saw the house of God, the temple, leveled to the ground. He saw an army come up against the holy city of Jerusalem and tear down the walls and destroy the city. He said in chapter 9, verse 1, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. You know the story. When the Babylonians came, they took all the rich and the educated and the skilled back to Babylon. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in that group. They left the poor, the uneducated, uh, in Jerusalem. Famine set in. Famine was so bad uh, that uh, people got so hungry, they actually ate their children during the famine. This was the world that Jeremiah lived in. This was the world that Jeremiah was called to preach in. And God came to Jeremiah and he said, Jeremiah... I want you to go point your finger at the cause. I want you to go tell the people why all this has come upon them. What was the trouble for Jerusalem? What was the trouble for Palestine? It wasn't the king. Yeah, they had, a, they had wicked kings. They had kings that didn't serve God. But that wasn't the root cause of the problem. It wasn't his cabinet, his advisors that gave the king advice. It wasn't the economy It wasn't the educational system that existed in that time. You go back and you study the book of Jeremiah. You know who Jeremiah pointed his fingers at? He pointed his finger at the prophets. He pointed his finger at the preachers. He says, you're the the root cause of the problem. Yeah, people turned to sin. Yeah, God's people turned away from God. They started worshiping false gods. But the reason they did that is the prophets, the preachers, did not do what they were supposed to do. Let me just bring that story up to date. The undoing of America, the undoing of our country won't be because of the politicians. It won't be because of the president or Congress. It won't be because of the economy. It won't be because of the educational institutions that we have. The undoing of America is and has been because preachers have gotten away from the word of God. They've quit believing the word of God. They've quit preaching the word of God. They've quit standing on the word of God. That's what's undone our country. We need some old-fashioned prophets of God that will take this book, stand on it, preach it, regardless of how many people sit in the pews. You see, we got a whole bunch of preachers this morning that instead of preaching what God tells them to preach, they take surveys. They asked, they said, well, what kind of church would you like? What kind of sermons would you like to hear? What kind of preacher would you like to have? I tell you, it'll be a cold day somewhere before you ever get a survey from me. I'm going li- to listen to God. I'm going to preach what he preaches. I don't care if you all get mad and leave and... I'm the only one left. I'm going to preach myself. We need preachers today that will preach the word of God. In fact, Jeremiah went a step further. He said there's two types of preachers that are guilty. 
The first type are those who preach dreams, but never preach the word of God. And this second type might surprise you. He says, the second group of preachers that are guilty are those who preach the word of God, but never preach dreams, never preach visions, never preach the word of God and remind people what kind of God we have and and tell them, get a vision, get a dream of what the God of old can do today. Because you see, we have a God that doesn't change. He's always the same. He says in the book of Malachi, I am the Lord, I change not. The Bible says in the book of, uh, uh, of uh, 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 in verse 28 that we read, The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What Jeremiah is saying is we need some preachers that not only preach the word of God, but catch a vision from God himself and and preach to their people the word and the vision that God wants us to have. This morning, again, the, the title of my sermon is Have a Dream, Tell a Dream. I believe in preaching the word of God, but I also believe in taking the word of God and with the word of God reminding you what kind of God we have and telling you to have a dream, have a vision. The Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me, let me, I have three points this morning. I'll be quick. Number one is this, have a dream, have a dream. People who have no dreams will never... Uh, grow. People who have no dreams are dying. The Bible says, where there is no vision, no dream, the people perish. Have a dream. Say, preacher, I'm an old person. I've lived most of my life. I'm too old to have dreams. Then why does the Bible say in the book of Joel, the young men shall see visions, the old men shall dream dreams. You see, you're never too old to have a vision or a dream of what God can do in your life. And so this morning I say, have a dream. Have a dream for yourself. Have a vision of what God wants you to be. Uh, Joseph had a dream. He didn't understand the dreams when he was having it. He was out in his, the dream that he had, he had a couple of them. He was out in the field with his brothers. They all had a bale of grain. They all, all those bales stood upright, and the bales that belonged to his brothers bowed down to him. He had another dream about the heavens. The sun and the moon and stars bowed down to him. And, and again, when he was a young man, he did not understand what those dreams were, what those dreams were meant. That those dreams were given by God. Just like the dreams and the visions that we ought to have for our life ought to be given by God. Ought to be given by the God that we read about in this book. The God that we worship because of this book uh, tells us about him. But, and, and so Joseph didn't understand. But one day those dreams came true. One day as the second in command in Egypt, his brothers and his parents came and they bowed down before him just like God revealed in his dreams. And so this morning I say to you, Regardless of how old you are, regardless of your station in life, you ought to have some dreams, you ought to have some visions about yourself, about yourself. 
Uh, the Bible says, again, in the book of Proverbs, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. How do you think about yourself? What kind of person does God want you to be? I believe, first of all, every vision for every person's life ought to include salvation. I believe the vision that you have for your life ought to include having a right relationship with the God that created you. Any other dream that you have for your life uh, that, that does any dream that you have for your life that doesn't include salvation is not a God-given dream, a God-given vision. God wants everybody to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. And the dream that we have for ourselves ought to include at the top of the list a right relationship with our Creator. But I believe that God wants us to have other dreams. I believe He wants us to have visions of how much time we spend in this book. Of how much time we spend in prayer. When you think of your Bible reading, when you think of your prayer life, what, what do you imagine? What comes into your mind? Is it a vision of somebody who every day, many times a day, brings back to mind the things that are in this book? Is it, is it a vision that includes spending time in prayer without ceasing? Is it a vision that includes coming uh, to God's house every time the doors are open? What's your dream? What's your vision given to you by God based on this book? Jeremiah said, you got to have both. Don't just have dreams. Have dreams within the teachings of the word of God. Have a dream for yourself. Have a dream for your children. Every parent ought to have dreams for their kids. Hannah dreamed about a little boy that she would have, that would be used of God. Samuel was a result of that dream. The prophet Samuel was a result of a mother's dreams. There ought to be some dads and moms that are here today that have some dreams for their kids to be preachers, to be missionaries, to be Sunday school teachers. I went to school with a guy. I mean, this was, he wasn't even married yet. I don't think he had met his wife. But we roomed together for a couple of semesters. And he says, you know, I don't even have a steady girlfriend, but I already have some dreams for my kids. You do? I asked him, I said, he said, yeah. He said, I'm going to have three boys. One's going to be an astronaut. One's going to be a doctor. And one's going to be a garbage collector. I said, that's kind of strange, going all the way from an astronaut to a garbage I said, yeah, I'm trying to be realistic in my dreams. I said, okay. Well, I've kept in contact with him. He got married. He had three boys. One of them is an airplane pilot. Never made it all the way into space, but he flies in space. The second one became a veterinarian. Not a people doctor, but a pet doctor. Takes care of cats, duties, everybody, you know. <laughs> the third one, you say, preacher, what's the third one? He runs waste management. He's the president of waste management. He doesn't collect garbage, but he collects garbage. He had some dreams for his kids. They didn't exactly come out. I'm sure he didn't dream specifically what they, what they were going to end up with. But where there is no dream, the people perish. You need to have some dreams for your kids. I have some dreams. I had dreams for my kids. I had dreams, and some of them came true, some of them different. I, I've, 
I, I have dreamed for my grandsons. I, I have some things that I pray about, and I ask God that, for, for, for them to be when they grow up. And again, I know we can't force our will on our kids. We can't force our will on our grandkids, but we can sure pray about it. We can have some visions. We can have some dreams. Maybe they'll pick the dream that we have for them. So we ought to have some dreams for our children. We ought to have some dreams for God's work. Nehemiah had a dream. He went back to Jerusalem. He saw, 400 years after the book of Jeremiah, after the destruction that Jeremiah talked about, 400 years later, Nehemiah came on the scene. He saw the city destroyed. He saw the walls tore down. He saw what was going on in the city because they had no protection. And he had a dream. Nehemiah's dream that the walls would be rebuilt. Nehemiah's dream that the city of Jerusalem would be restored to its, for, for, to its former glory. And again, we know the story. Because of that dream, 52, 52 days passed after Nehemiah came on the scene and the wall was rebuilt. Let me ask you, what kind of dreams do you have for God's work? What kind of dreams do you have for God's church? What kind of dreams do you have for this church? What kind of visions do you have for this church? I, I mean, when you think about our church, when you think about what it, what, what it can do for God, what do you think about I would dare say that most of us come week after week and we don't have a vision. We don't have a dream about God's work. And again, we preach the word of God. If you've been coming at all, you know we preach the word of God. But God says, I want you to preach the word of God. I want you to remind people about the kind of God that you have. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. He hasn't changed. The same God of Israel is the God that we have today. He could give us 400 people just like he could give us 200. He could give us so many people that even the building that we're building is not going to be big enough to hold the little kids that come on Wednesday night. Hey, wouldn't you like to have so many kids come on Wednesday night that we had to have Awana both on Wednesday night and Thursday because they all wouldn't fit on Wednesday? All the Awana workers are saying, oh. (laughs) But that's, that's the kind of God that we have. We ought to have a vision for the work of God based on the kind of God that this book tells about. Have a dream. Number two, and i gotta be, I got to hurry. Tell the dream. Tell the dream. Share the dream. If you share it, you're more apt to work at it as if you don't. Because when you share the vision that God has given you uh, for yourself or for your children or for God's work, you're, you're basically making yourself accountable for that dream. If you tell it, others are more apt to help you. Ladies, you may have a dream. I want to lose 20 pounds. If you share that dream, maybe your husband would bring you flowers instead of candy and help that dream to become realized. Men, if you have a dream, well, I'd like to lose 40 pounds, and I think the ratio is about right. You know, the ladies used to need to, well, never mind. But anyhow, uh, if you share that dream with your wife, maybe instead of making you fried chicken and mashed potatoes, boy, I'm getting hungry. Uh, They'll make you vegetables and salads. Never mind, don't share your dream. My point is this, as we share the visions and the dreams that God has given us, we'll enlist other people to help us to see the realization of those dreams. And telling your dream might encourage somebody else to catch it too. I can just picture in my mind as Nehemiah stood before the people of Jerusalem. 
says, God's given me a vision. God's given me a dream. I, dream, I, I see in my vision the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt. I see uh, the, the walls providing defense. I see the glory, the glory of Jerusalem being restored. And as Nehemiah talked about that dream, the people that heard him tell, talk about that dream caught the same dream. They caught the vision. They, thought, they, 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 they caught the, the, the picture of Jerusalem being restored to what it was and a God that would enable them to do that. Have a dream. Tell a dream. And then number three, do it. Do it. Accomplish it. Again, tonight I'm going to use, I have three little simple verses of Scripture that I'm going to put in a package tonight and tell you how to accomplish your dreams. And so I just want to say a couple of things about it as I close this morning. First of all, it won't be easy. If God's given you a vision, God's given you a dream, it won't be easy. It wasn't easy for Joseph. I mean, his dreams were going to come true, but he had to be sold as a slave. He had to go into Potiphar's house and be wrongly accused and thrown into jail for 14 years. He was a prisoner for no wrong that he did. But one day, when the time was right, God's time, said, Joseph, okay, it's time for your dreams to be fulfilled. I'm going to put you second in command in Egypt. One day your brothers will come, they'll bow down to you. One day your dad will come and bow down to you. Wasn't easy for Nehemiah. You think it was easy for Nehemiah to lead the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem? He, had, he faced enemies, both within and without. He faced people that said, oh, you can't get this done. He, th- there were times, I'm sure, that he got discouraged during those two months that he, he, he worked. But he didn't quit. And so I would say to you this morning, don't quit on your dreams. Don't give up on the visions that God has given you. Yes, there, there, there may be hard times that have come into your life. There may be some, some trials and tribulations that have come into your life. But don't give up on your dreams. Because when you give up on your dreams, you give up on God. You give up on Him. And again, every vision that we have for ourselves should include a right relationship with God. Every vision that we have for our children should include every single one of them coming to Jesus Christ and receiving Him as their Savior. Every vision that we have for our church should include telling boys and girls and men and women about Jesus Christ. Telling them that they're a sinner. Telling them that there's a penalty for that sin. Telling them that Jesus Christ paid the penalty. On Calvary's cross. And he offers eternal life. The gift of eternal life. To each one that would come to him. And receive him. As their personal savior. That's the message I give to you this morning. If you're here this morning. And you've never received Jesus Christ. As your savior. He died for your sin. He paid the price for your sin. You are under the condemnation of death. You are under the condemnation of God. Because you're a sinner. Some of you I don't know very well. And you say, preacher, how can you call me a sinner? You don't even know me. I'm not calling you a sinner. God's calling you a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And there's a penalty for that sin. That penalty is to be separated from God forever. We talked about hell in Sunday school uh, this morning. <laughs> and again, people think they know about hell. We don't know nothing about hell. Hell is far worse than any of us could imagine. With our vivid imaginations, it's far worse than any person can imagine. And, I, I, and God doesn't. And this preacher doesn't. And the people, most of the people that sit in the pews this morning don't want any single person here 
to spend any time in hell. To go into hell. Because when you go into hell, you go forever. There's no second chances. There's no buying your way out. There's no paying your way out. There's no getting out. You are doomed for eternity. And only a fool. And again, it's not me calling you that. It's God calling you that. Only a fool would choose to go to hell and and bypass the gift of life, the gift of heaven that God has purchased for every single person on Calvary. What's your vision this morning? What's your vision for eternity? You need to think about it. You're going to spend eternity in one of two places. You're either going to go to that place called hell, which is far worse than anybody can, can imagine, or that place called heaven, which is far better than anybody can imagine. There's no in-between. There's no skirting the issue. You go to one of those two places, and the thing, the person that makes the difference, whether you go to heaven or hell, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And what you have done with him. What's your vision for eternity? I don't know about you. My vision is heaven. It's heaven. It is heaven. I do not want to... Before I got saved, because my grandmother reminded me almost every time I saw her, she, she, again, you've heard my testimony, she would, her finger was pointed, but she would point it at me like this and say, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. Finally, one day, I understood what she was talking about. Finally, I understood one day what I needed to do. Finally, one day, I asked Jesus to be my Savior. And I'm on my way to heaven. That new Jerusalem that we talked about in Sunday school this morning, I hope you are too. If you're not, you can be. You can be. This book tells us how. This book tells us about the one who paid our price, paid our penalty, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you come to him this morning... You too can know heaven is yours. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it gives us. Thank you for the challenge that it gives us. Thank you for the salvation that it tells us about. And I pray for those that, even if there's just one here this morning, Father, that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, help them, help, 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 help them this morning to see that they are a sinner. Help them to see that that sin separates them from you. That sin will take them right to hell for all eternity. But Father, also help them to see the price that Jesus paid on Calvary, the love that you poured out on the cross for sinners. You you proved your love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, you sent your son to die in our place, to pay for our sin. And Father, again, if there's just one person here that's never received that love by by never receiving Jesus Christ, I, I, I pray right now, this very moment, They would put aside every excuse. They would put aside everything that's keeping them from coming to Christ. And they would come and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would help them to do that. I pray for the Christians that are here. I pray, Father, that we'd catch a vision for what you want us to be in your kingdom. How you want us to serve you. I pray, Father, that we'd catch a vision. Share it. Do it. Bless this time of invitation. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Help us to be obedient this morning. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.